Dan Snyder fronts George's Paper Lights. Thanks for coming to The Antidote for a talk, Dan. Oh, thanks for having me, Dave. I always like to start at the very beginning. What about taking us back to the first time Paper Lights came together? Yeah, um, it was an accidental band in that really just did a lot of church stuff at the time, playing uh, services and this and that, and there were a lot of musicians that just wanted to uh, go to a cabin for a week, and we went out and just recorded something that was kind of unplanned and threw it up online, and it started getting placements in commercials and this and that, and after that, we decided, well, maybe maybe it'd be a good idea to start playing some live shows, and uh, the rest is history. We've been on the road for two or three years pretty solid um with the exception of an occasional side job or two when we're home and (laughs) that's uh that's how it came to be so it really came as a surprise then the acceptance of your music so fast yeah extremely um i was always a auxiliary guy and played keyboard for other artists and um really felt like that was my place I still enjoy doing that, but there was definitely something really rewarding about writing your own music and sharing that with people, too, that I found through this opportunity. It's been a really good thing. You've had some changes since then, because I'd read at some point Paper Lights was a six-piece, but now you've stripped it down to just the two of you. Yeah, it's definitely evolved over the years. Um, we've included a lot of different musician friends in it. And um, when, when we first started to do it, I had this mindset of, well, let's make it a band. It'll always be the set, dedicated group of people. It's a really beautiful thing to happen, really, because outside of our planning, that's not how it worked out. As a result, we've been able to include probably 15-ish of our different musician friends over time um, and travel with them and get to uh, bond and form better relationships with them. And it's just become a thing where there's an open door for a lot of our friends to come play with us. And um, Josh and I have seen that as a, a positive. So we'll write a lot and just have our friends come along for tours. Then when you're playing at shows, it's not just the two of you. It's flushed out with the full band? Um, we've done it both ways. Last year we did a lot with just the two of us, and it had its benefits for sure, but I don't know if we're going to do that anymore. We've got a couple of tours coming up, and it's definitely full band. Um, just makes it a lot more fun when we can bring more people along with us, you know? Then how much has the sound of Paper Lights evolved since the first release? Um, quite a bit in different ways. Some of those friends were contributing a lot as they came and went. You know, it, it evolved in that Josh and I also score for television and film a lot and um, kind of have a cinematic side, I guess, that influences the way we write. And without the help of um, other people, it kind of changed more in that vein of music that sounds like it's composed for a film, I guess. <laughs> you have that dramatic flair. <laughs> well, thank you. That must be helpful. I mean, I guess really from a financial standpoint, doing the placements. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, it's a market that has really been good to us. It's also become pretty oversaturated, we've noticed in the last few years. You know, whereas six or seven years ago, not everybody was vying for the attention of placement agencies and music supervisors, I feel like um, there's not as much of a piece of that pie left for everyone now. So we haven't been as intentional about it lately, but that's kind of how we got started is through the composition work and uh, being included in a lot of projects for mostly commercials at first. And, uh, yeah, over time, it's just become more band and live music focused, I guess. I like to fit every artist and their music style into a box. That's not an easy thing to do with paper lights. Your sound goes from post-rock to ambient to alt-rock and singer-songwriter. How do you guys visualize the band? Um, that's a great question, and I'm not sure if I can answer it. Um, well, you can just lie. It. <laughs> <laughs> just lie about it. I think I have a lot of musical interests, um, and I grew up in East Tennessee with a lot of bluegrass around and singer-songwriter, folk kind of music going on, and there's still a part of me that really enjoys that side of music, and by default, I'm a keyboard player, and so when I'm writing, I can't really write in that direction, but I still love it because I don't play a lot of guitar, and Josh is kind of the same way. I don't know. We've got a lot of influences, and um, we haven't tried to just stick to one path, I guess. Especially with this newest album, we just let ourselves go free and not worry about a genre so much. The new album, Everything is Sound, was created as you and Josh toured national parks in the States. <laughs> so you got to be serious. Was that really just an excuse for a road trip? <laughs> um, partially, yes. Uh, definitely kind of a dream. It ended up being so much more work than I had expected it to be, honestly. We went to 13 different national parks. Um, originally had planned to try to hit all of them in the 48 states. Um, and I forget how many that is. We're going to try to set a, a Guinness record, and they actually rejected us and said that uh, our goals were too lofty and they would be unbeatable by someone else. So <laughs> we ended up with just the 13, and we did it in about six weeks. Um, spent a lot of time driving to a different national park almost uh, one every couple of days and sampling different nature sounds and uh, things around to go back and process and turn into something resembling music. And you guys got along all that time on the road. Like you didn't want to toss the passenger out of the van, you know, on the side <laughs> of the road and let the coyotes take him away? Oh, man. Uh, no, there's surprisingly no drama within our groups and kind of carefully chosen people who travel with us according to a uh, personality type and, you know, been intentional about <laughs> the kind of attitudes that we think will uh, probably not feel that way. So, no, we didn't, we didn't throw anybody to the wolf. <laughs> <laughs> To make this kind of a trip, the outdoors and nature must be important to you. 
Yeah, it's been a huge inspiration. Um, in fact, I grew up on a 50-acre a campground in East Tennessee and really learned to appreciate the outdoors there. And uh, it wasn't until more recently that I just discovered the amazingness of our national park system and what all it has to offer. And so through that, we've uh, tried to harness the uh, environment into inspiring some of our own creativity and music. Then being on that trip, what was the standout moment for you? Um, there's so many. I can't pin down just one, I don't believe. Um, we did play some shows at the same time. So, you know, one day we might be out camping in the middle of a desert and collecting sounds in a cave. And the next, we might be setting up for a house show in the middle of rural Montana. And I would say just that weird dichotomy of workload and then being around people was really exciting because it was something different every single day. And um, there was something in that that was both exhausting, but at the same time, really rewarding. And uh, just knowing that this was a really unique experience that, Honestly, a lot of people don't get the experience in their lifetime, and just appreciating that for what it was in the moment. As you traveled, you were doing something unusual for Everything is Sound. You were actually taking samples from nature. you got to explain how can you incorporate that into a song. <laughs> yeah, um, well, a lot of it ended up being percussive, of course, because that's a lot easier. So we made some sample packs out of, for instance, a fallen redwood tree where uh, we spent all day just, you know, banging on different parts of the tree with different sticks and rocks and, you know, recording it into microphone and then just turning it into a drum kit and ultimately, you know, making it the, the percussive element of some of the songs. And uh, I think it was... Bryce Canyon we were in, Josh recorded the sound of wind and was able to successfully EQ the frequency of that wind into a note and then transpose and map that note out into a keyboard so we have a wind organ that we play in some of the songs as well. It was just fun being really uh, free and creative and, and trying to figure out you know, how to use these sounds. It was honestly a real challenge to figure out um, to make the best of some of the, the stuff that we were collecting, actually turn it into music. You're digitizing nature. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Using the outdoors as a metaphor comes up quite often on songs from Paper Lights, like your Great Escapes release with the song We're a Lot Like Trees. And I mean... <laughs> Sorry, I was just about to ask you about the roots of the song, but that would be really, really lame. Uh, what about what about telling us about the song? Uh, we're a lot like trees. Yes. Um. Yeah. So that record, um, I was reading a lot of the writings of John Muir at the time, and a lot of the imagery and. Uh, symbolic wording that he uses really inspiring to me and kind of coincided with the idea of outdoors and really a specific lifestyle that I was intrigued by and you know he spent a lot of his life just walking around outside praying and 
just discovering different aspects of nature and writing about it. And so We're a Lot Like Trees was a song that kind of came out of that. And some of the imagery in that song is from John Muir and almost directly quoted from some of his writings. But ultimately, the song had to do for me about unity and uh, all the things that unite us together. Um, You know, John described a canopy of stars as, you know, a roof that we all live under. And I just found that really amazing in a sense that that's true. Like, uh, despite all our differences, we're all kind of living under this same sky, and there's something really precious about that to me. John Muir was cutting edge. He was probably one of the foremost naturalists long before that was even common or popular. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm not sure how much of the park he originally discovered. You know, we weren't the first ones here either, but I got to explore his birthplace in Scotland last year and just kind of seeing how he grew up and where he came from. It gave a different filter to the things that he wrote about and just knowing that he came from a small town on the coast where they didn't have things like crazy mountains and um, all this stuff, like experiencing that through someone's eyes that have come up on some of this stuff for the first time and had never even heard of it before, gave a new light to the things that he was writing about. A common theme brought up in the music of Paper Lights is the questioning of what we're doing with our lives. Like the song Adherent with the lyrics that say, don't let your truth get drowned in the waters that are left behind because the house is on fire. Is discussion better than answers? Oh, man. I'm not sure how to answer that. I feel like I wrote that song about myself and some deep questions that I had. It's about when you reach that point in life where everything you've been told and everything that you believe growing up comes to a point and you just have to question it all and almost start from scratch. Um, I wrote that about deep doubt and unbelief and being unsure of anything that I believed in and having to start over and ultimately coming back to some of the same conclusions. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a really hard song to write, honestly. And the house on fire is just how I felt when I wrote it. And, um, just a lot of despair, honestly, but still coming around to some of, uh, the same beliefs that I had in a different way. Was it a helpful process writing that song? Yeah, I definitely find something cathartic about writing personal things and then just sharing them out loud. And I felt like that was something that people were able to grasp onto, even if they weren't sure what it was about. That's what I was curious about, because here you are, you're revealing something quite personal about yourself. And it's like you're putting it on the front page of a paper because you've got it in your song and it's out there for people to hear. Does that ever make you feel uncomfortable? Oh, yeah. It's very vulnerable to write something that personal and share it with someone. But what I'm learning and and have learned is that that's how people relate to your music. And they'll often, you know, find a way to make it their own. If you're vulnerable enough, there's always something 
even if it's not the original translation that you intended for yourself, that people will find and identify with and make it their own. I want to hear something from your perspective as a creative. How is telling a story through a song different from using another artistic medium, like painting or writing a novel? Hmm. Um, I believe some really weird things, like maybe some fringe science things about frequencies that might answer this. I feel like no matter what the lyrics are, there's something about frequency that can change atmospheres and can kind of go ahead of intention or meaning and create something emotional that people grasp onto or identify with or maybe even affects them at a molecular level. I have no idea. But there's something in that magic that I really love, even though I don't understand. That's something that I feel like we're always chasing is whether that be a moment or, you know, feeling that the music is creating. I think that's something really special and maybe not meant for us to understand even. I'm not sure how to how to really say that, but <laughs> I try. <laughs> <laughs> that questioning nature also comes out on your song Mantra where you say that safety's an illusion that steals away from all our years. It's burning down our futures and riding out on all our fears. What about the life of Dan Snyder? Is it safe? <laughs> uh, I don't feel safe. Um, I'm afraid of safety and all the things that it brings. I feel like I wrote that song mantra for myself and just all the things that I try to remind myself every day. And safety being an illusion for me, I was raised in a way that, like, a lot of people were, where, like, maybe you should go to college and maybe you should follow this path. And I didn't follow that. And there's a lot of aspects of, of that life that we feel like might be safe, but ultimately can betray us. And so... I just meant safety is an illusion and that like no matter how steady your job is or how steady you think your lifestyle is, everything can change in a moment. And why not live your life in a way that reflects that and do the things that you feel like are unsafe and do the things that you've always dreamed of doing now because, you know, there might not be another chance. You're speaking to my life. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, I'm I'm editing together a, a short documentary from our trip right now, and I'm like right before you called, I've been working on going through all the footage and everything, and it's crazy to me. Like everything just kind of points to like nothing you do is safe. So why try to live your life in a way that reflects that lie and I'm so grateful that we've kind of been given that tidbit of knowledge and feel the freedom to do so, because I don't think we would have taken a ridiculous trip like this. I mean, people thought we were crazy. And, you know, I, I wasn't sure when we did it, if it, it would be worth the time or effort, or even if we would be successful at gathering sounds or anything like that. And um, I feel like it's really enhanced all of our lives that we're a small part of it, you know. 
Absolutely. Of course, Everything Is Sound is an awesome release, but how are you going to top that? I mean, are you going to look at a, a worldwide tour of national parks? Well, thank you. Um, I don't know. I've thought about like another project to do next that might top it, but I'm not sure. I think rather than trying to make the next thing better all the time, maybe maybe we just need to respect this one for an amazing life experience that we were fortunate to have and just kind of revel in the fact that we were able to do one of them. Uh, I'm sure we'll have other ideas eventually, but no, you mentioned there are a lot of national parks in other countries, aren't there? There are. That might be a, you want to go along in the next one? I'm in. (laughs) (laughs) I'll even do all the driving. I don't care. Oh, I think Canada has some better ones than we have. Some spectacular ones like Banff and Jasper. And I think my wife and I have done probably a dozen plus national parks just in the last year and a half. Oh, wow. That's a lot. So I can absolutely relate to what you're doing. (laughs) Here's another point I want to bring up with you. What is it that motivates Paper Lights to create? Like, what is it you want your music to achieve? I don't know. I feel like every artist would answer this differently. You know, I've started to notice that unity has become kind of an unintentional theme in a lot of our writing. And there's a lot in the world right now that's just dividing everyone, not just attention, but dividing us from each other especially in terms of like politics and race and religion. So if we could leave anything behind for our music, it would just be try to love the people that you disagree with, because in the end, each other is really all we truly have. For me, I'm not sure what else I would do. There's almost a sense of responsibility in it, because people really think that if you're a full-time musician, it's just like, they see the highlights on Instagram, you know, and it's all just a highlight reel to, to everyone around you. But the day-to-day life is about 95%, all these other things, and 5% music. I'm not sure how to answer that other than it's a lot of hard work, and I can't imagine doing it for, for the money because it never makes sense financially. And we just love it, and there's not really anything else I can imagine doing. So you would say then that you are fulfilled by what you're doing? Yeah, I would say so. Um, There's a lot that we could easily complain about, but at the end of the day, it enhances our life in a way that I don't believe a 9-to-5 or any other job could. Because I've done those things. I would definitely do this, and I do do this for a lot less pay or for any other reason. I just can't imagine doing anything else. Paper Lights, Dan Snyder has been here with The Antidote. Thanks for this talk about your music, Dan. Thank you, Dave. Thanks for having me.